Take a seat. When's the last time you went to church and got there and realized you forgot sunscreen? Man, it is good to be back. Deidre has started uh, calling these slow steps back to life the way we knew it as being around 3D people. It's good to be around 3D people. Man, Zoom meetings and online and, and uh, Internet, it's back good to be back with real family. Thank you for coming out. We, we knew when we bought this property that we wanted to take advantage of the space and eventually do this. And one of the things that the last couple of months have done is taken some things that were two, three years down the road that we wanted to make sure we did, that we really felt we were called to, to be about, and kind of zoomed them up to right now. And this is one of them. So uh, there will be more of these days in the future, weather permitting. So yeah, we're, we're excited about that. Today's an important day. It's an important day because we're living in a world that none of us really know what to do with. We, we really don't understand what's going on around us. We don't know who to believe or what to believe. We, we don't know what reports are real and, and what reports aren't. You know, but there's a few things that we can be certain of, and, and one of the things that we can be certain of is that today is a day that we call Pentecost Sunday. We call it Pentecost Sunday because it's the day that the Holy Spirit came to earth. It's the day that Christians remember the the moment when the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised who would be our advocate was sent by God and that promise was fulfilled. And if you haven't gone to a church that is liturgical or that follows the church calendar, that might be first time you've ever heard it before. Uh, For some other people, you may be wondering, well, I wonder why this place doesn't talk about that more often. Well, here's the deal. In, In the midst of all the craziness, one of the things that we can be sure of is The Holy Spirit is still alive, the Holy Spirit is still at work, and the Holy Spirit is still working in situations even though we don't understand them. And today we get to celebrate that fact, but we also have to spend some time talking about what else is going on, and this is the not-so-fun part. We've got to talk about this thing that we, maybe most of us, don't experience very much living here where we do. But it's real. If you've had your television on in the last week, it is very real. It is up close and personal real for us as Minnesotans. And it's, it's honestly, it's the real pandemic that we're living in. And the real pandemic is this, this culture and, and this systematic racism that we hear about that that is so toxically opposed to what we want to believe is Minnesota nice. And what we're seeing on the TV, we're, we're real quick to dismiss, but we can't do that. Because whether we like it or not, we all make assumptions. And we're going to take a look at a text where people made some assumptions. We make assumptions about culture and about people and about, about folks that are different from us. And you know what? More often than not, when we make assumptions, we're wrong. We assume based on whatever little evidence that we have or whatever misinformation we might have been given, and we think that we know. And in fact, what's happening in our world is that Minnesota is literally on fire because we have just accepted those assumptions and haven't dealt with them. We haven't dealt with them in healthy or or meaningful ways. And quite frankly, my heart is breaking because of it. It's breaking because... We use the word race and we say race is a dirty word. No, we're going to look in a minute. Race isn't a dirty word at all. Racism is a dirty word. People who look different than you and I because of the color of their skin, there's nothing wrong with them other than God bless them with a different shade of the color palette that he used to create people. And yet because maybe we don't know and we don't understand, the word racism steps in. And when we ignore it, that's where the problem begins. 
So if you happen to bring your Bible this morning, uh, I'm going to ask you to go to Acts 2. We were going to look at a text in Matthew 5 because we've been going through this series. And uh, we'll, we'll get to that one another time. But right now, today, this one is more important. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, I'll give you a warning right off the bat. I love this passage because this is where the church was really born. This, this passage where the Holy Spirit comes to the gathered believers in Jerusalem is re- really where the Christian church was born. And, it, and it's one of those things that um, we're going to find out the Holy Spirit came as fire. And, and in the midst of Minnesota and other cities around the country literally burning, this is a pretty appropriate text. It's one of those things that that says, let's just not look at the clock and somebody go get lunch and let's really tear this thing apart. But I know you have other plans today, so we're not going to do that. What I would encourage you to do, though, is go home and read it over again yourself and see what you find, because there is so much in there that we're not going to have time to cover. So verse uh, chapter 2 of verse 1 in the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. This is the brand new Christian church. They're still called believers. They're not even called Christians yet. And what the Bible tells us is that there's just more than a hundred of them. There's not very many. They didn't quite know who they were. They, they understood what they were. They understood who they believed in, and that's Jesus. They understood that they believed in his death and his resurrection, but nobody around them knew what to do with them. So they kind of kept themselves away. They, they hid uh, for fear of what might happen. They were afraid. They were outsiders within their own culture. They were outsiders amongst their own friends and family. They were outsiders in their own city because people didn't know what to think, and they were immediately making assumptions, and the assumptions were all wrong. But they hadn't had a chance to do anything about it yet. And so in the midst of what's happening in the church as Pentecost Sunday, in the midst of what's happening in the state of Minnesota right now, let's, let's talk about this, can we? Verse 2, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. The Holy Spirit shows up, and the Bible says it sounded like wind. It wasn't wind because there wouldn't have been a hair, for those people blessed with the head of hair, there wouldn't have been a hair that moved. But the Bible says it sounded like the roar of a mighty wind, and it filled the house. Because God was breaking through heaven and he was coming down to earth in the person of the Holy Spirit, our counselor, our advocate, and God himself had arrived. And when that happens, the earth shakes. The earth shakes and people listen. And the problem is, in Minnesota and America today, people aren't listening. People are screaming, they're begging, they're just asking for a right to be heard. And we're not listening. But when the Holy Spirit arrived, when God himself showed up, he was making his arrival known. And it sounded like the roar of a mighty wind. Now, just as a, as a caution to you, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, and this one is wrong all the time, people do it the wrong way in church. There, there are not very many must-dos, but here's one of them. Don't ever refer to the Holy Spirit as it any more than you would want someone to refer to you or your spouse or your child as an it. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a person. That the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy, Holy Spirit is every much of a person with feelings as you and I are, but oh, so much more. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the third person of God. And literally, He's in the house. Verse 3, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. It appeared to be tongues of fire. It wasn't fire. That would have burned up their hair. But it appeared to be tongues of fire. Why? Because fire is cleansing. Fire is purifying. And you know what's happening right now? 
There is going to be, God is going to use this moment as a cleansing and a purifying time in the state of Minnesota. There are things that are going to be cleansed and purified by the fires that none of us want to see. But that's the kind of stuff that God does. So what's Pentecost? It's 50 days after Passover. That's when the Jews remembered that time when they were slaves in Egypt. And they were told to to spread the blood of lambs over their doorposts because the angel of death was going to pass over the land and it was going to take the life of every firstborn in the land of Egypt. And they recall that the angel of death passed over their door frames and their children, their firstborn, and their animals were spared and they were delivered from slavery. More on that in a bit, huh? And everyone present in the room, the Bible says in verse 4, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began speaking in other languages. The Spirit gave them ability. Everyone present, every single person, didn't say that anybody even asked. God showed up, and this environment was just ready for the Holy Spirit to descend, and every single person was filled with the Holy Spirit. Every believer was filled with the Holy Spirit, and it says every one of them began speaking in a different language, a language that they didn't know, a language that they didn't understand, that nobody else in the room spoke. But God had a purpose. God had a reason for sending the Holy Spirit in what sounded like wind and what what appeared to be fire. And all those believers began speaking in a language that they did not understand. But it came through God, it came through the Holy Spirit to accomplish a purpose that God had for them that day. My prayer every Sunday goes back to this verse. God, pour out your Holy Spirit in ways we don't even understand. Use us in ways that we can't figure out, but allow us to be people here on earth, right where we live in these little towns of west central Minnesota, to make an eternal difference for people for you. Verse 5, it says, at that time, now we're going to get a glimpse into what God's doing. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Every nation in the world, as they understood it, every nation had people who were living in the city of Jerusalem, and at that moment, they were all there. This is where we get to what's going on today. There were representatives from every nation in the world living in Jerusalem. Every nation. So where do the nations come from? Well, if you go back to Genesis 11, we've got the answer. See, there's this generation of people that's living after the great flood, right? Everybody on earth was destroyed because of their sin and wickedness. And God saved one town and the people surrounding it. And when the flood was over, they began to populate the earth. And the generations that were left were living in a place that was called Babel. And they settled down and they were living in one community. And the New Living Translation, the Bible says, Genesis 11.1, 1, At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same word. There was one time in history when everybody understood each other. No different races, no different languages, no different dialects. And what they decided to do was they decided to build a great city. You can read this passage in Genesis 11. They said, let's build a great city. And in the middle of this great city, let's make bricks and let's build a tower. Because then we'll be famous. And they'll be famous because they could reach God. Because they had a language that allowed them to communicate to accomplish these things. Already, this short amount of time after the flood, they're consumed with arrogance and they're already ignoring God. How quickly people stray. So God, remember the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? They go to the new city of Babylon in verse 6. The Bible says this, Genesis 11, 6. Look, God said, the people are united, and they speak the same language. And after this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. 
So come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages, and they won't be able to understand each other. And in that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building city. And you know what happened? The first races, the first cultures, the first nations were born. Everyone left the city of Babel with a different language, and they went out, and they had no ability to communicate with each other. And the Holy Spirit was there and was a part of it. So now what happens is we've got these different countries speaking different We've got all the different national identities, and, and what becomes primary isn't even where we come from. It's the color of our skin. Race is on center stage, not just in Minnesota today. Race was on center stage in Genesis 11. It goes all the way back to Cain in Genesis 4. What it says is after Cain killed Abel, God put a mark on Cain. doesn't say what it was, but man, Christian churches for years have used that simple phrase, put a mark on Cain, to, to justify horrible things. That's not what it's about. That mark was to protect Cain. Whatever it was that made him different, Cain was no longer like everybody else, and there was differences between people. Going back to Acts chapter 2 to understand the setting of what's happening here at Pentecost. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running because what's happening is all these people are speaking all of these different languages. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. All these nations that had been scattered at Babel had been separated for all this time. The Bible says are now gathered in Jerusalem. They're all living in Jerusalem. And every one of them directly heard from the mouth of a believer, one of those original 120 the good news of Jesus spoken in their own language. I don't understand how that works, but you know what? If we're going to live in a world that's comfortable with the Holy Spirit being at work, we've got to get comfortable with saying, I don't understand, but I trust God. I don't understand how that happened, but it did. God scattered humanity at Babel, and now he's bringing them back to Jerusalem. And in the book of Acts, the second chapter, the Holy Spirit works through the believers, and every single one of the people in that city heard the good news of Jesus at the same time. In verse 7, the people start responding. The Bible says they're completely amazed. How can this be? These people are all from Galilee. This, this statement, taken in our world context today, is what we would call racist. Because really what they're saying is, these people are all from Galilee. They're not smart enough to know all those languages. They're just, they're just people from the countryside. They, they can't do that. They don't know what it is. How can these people be smart enough to do what we're seeing? But it goes on and it says, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. The word was being preached in a way that people heard it clearly in their own language. Bible also says, you know, God made all of us, every single one of us in his image. And that's something that we take comfort in, that there's something about us that, that resembles the image of God. There's something in us that God gave us that is so close to him that we know that we have a family resemblance there. But when the Bible says that, it means every one of us. It just doesn't mean people that look like you and me. It doesn't mean people that look back with the same skin color, the same eye color that you have when you look in the mirror. It's every person. Every person, whether they speak our language, whether they've got our skin culture, whether they understand our culture, God is reaching out to everyone. You remember that song from your childhood, All Are Precious in His Sight? As kids, we sang it and believed it because we didn't know any different. No one had taught us anything else. But as grown-ups, we start explaining it away. Why, well, people are different. No, not in God's sight. Every tribe, every nation, every color of skin, every one of them. So in verse 9, it goes to this part where it starts naming all the places people come from. If you've ever been assigned to read in church, this is one of those passages you don't want. 
So here we are, they said, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and people from Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus, the province of Asia. So they're giving an idea of how far away we're getting here. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, all the way down to northern Africa, the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. That's a pretty good understanding of the nations of the world the way we know it. And we all hear these people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things that God has done. And they stood there amazed and perplexed, and they said, what can this mean, they asked each other. Sometimes when I have seen God move in really mighty ways, and this place is one of them, make no mistake, this place is one of those mighty ways, all I can do is say, what does this mean? God, what are you doing? What are you going to expect from us? What are you asking from us? What are the opportunities that you're presenting that we can't miss? I'm going to tell you, God is moving in a mighty way among us today. He's moving in this virus, and he's moving in all the political shenanigans and, that are riding the coattails of this very real virus. He's moving in not the causing of the riots, but in the reason for the protests. God is moving in that. He's moving not in our not being able to gather to worship together, but he's helping us to understand that worship is about him. It isn't about what we would prefer we would all prefer to be able to be in there the way that we used to, but that's not going to happen for a while. And so what we get to do is to focus on the real point, and the point is that we've got a family of believers that we get to be with, and we have a God that we get to worship who is worthy of all of our worship and praise. What he is doing is moving and giving us an opportunity as a nation to repent of sins that are a long time past. Generations of people that came before us that we grew up with an understanding that was taught from generations before us. That's not what God would have us to believe. So the question is, in all of this, are we going to respond? Are, are, are we going to acknowledge? Are we going to recognize? Are we going to say, nope, they're the problem. I'm not. Are we going to recognize our role, or are we going to be silent? See, for years in the Old Testament, leading into the New Testament, the Jews said the only place that you could worship was Jerusalem. Anybody else, and this is where we get into the, the passages about the Samaritans, there was no place that you could rightly worship outside of Jerusalem. You had to be there with their priests. And Jesus blows all that up with this racially divisive proclamation that the Son of Man came to save everybody, Jew and Gentile. And that's what he's doing. He's called, talking about different groups of people. For him to tell a parable of a Samaritan was a racial parable. It just wasn't racist. It pointed to the problem that the people had thinking that they were right. His miracles included people of different races, and his ministry invited people of different races. See, Jesus loves, Jesus loves everybody. Jesus died for everybody who will believe in him, not for skin color. And here's the truth bomb. we got to be grateful that Jesus wasn't a racist. You know why? Because his skin color didn't look anything like ours. Not at all. We're a part of that group that he said, I love them too. That's us. We're that group that he loves also. See, if Jesus was a racist, we'd be completely out of luck. See, but then there's other people in the crowd, because there always are, right? There's other people in the crowd that ridiculed him, and they said, they're just drunk, that's all. And Peter goes on and preaches this incredible spirit-filled sermon, and he says, folks, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. There's no alcohol involved here. 
And he goes on and explains everything that they just heard. See, those folks, they didn't understand, and so they mocked and they dismissed, and they made fun of the believers so that they could feel better about themselves for not being a part of what was going on. And we're hearing about crowds, and we're hearing, of people, hearing about people like that a lot lately. Crowds that we don't understand because they're protesting for something that we've never experienced. And so what we do is we call them mobs and rioters, and, and some of them are. Some of them are, are there to instigate and to cause harm and to cause damage and to cause division. But at the heart of it, there's people who just want to be heard. In those crowds are real people. They don't have a desire to burn down their city. They don't have a desire to burn up the businesses or destroy their neighborhoods. They're just angry. They're tired. They're hurt. They're racially oppressed, and they're screaming for their voices to be heard. And then there's other people who come in, and they see an opportunity to take advantage, and that's what we're watching now. They're angry and they have every right to be because a black man that looked a lot more like them than most of us was in a video and we all watched him murdered before our eyes. And for some of us, it was just shocking reality TV. But you know what? In reality, what we saw was a man's life extinguished in front of us. A live action view of a black man in handcuffs, face down on the asphalt, a white police officer's knee in his neck. That man, George Floyd, tried protesting. He tried asking. He tried begging. He tried pleading. And yet, that man died. George Floyd. I never thought I'd see something in my lifetime. I, I never thought I'd see something in all the craziness that's on the Internet. I never thought I'd see that. Not in Minnesota. Not in my state. Not in the state that I'm so proud to say I'm from, but I'm not sure I am anymore. His name's George Floyd. Remember his name, and here's why. Because more than the pandemic, his death has changed your life. His death has changed the world the way that we think we knew it. Or at least it had better. If it doesn't, the problem is even greater than I'm afraid that it is. See, George asked for help. He begged for it. And when he realized he couldn't breathe anymore... You can't say that his voice wasn't heard. We all heard it. The people in the street that day, they heard it. The police officer with the knee in his neck, he heard it. The problem was, and this is where the protest began, George was ignored. It wasn't that nobody heard him. It was that he was ignored and the officer didn't care. Do you realize that man cried out for his dead mother? He knew what was happening to him. He knew where he was going. His life was disappearing in front of his eyes, and no one would listen. And now the thing that just breaks my heart, because of rioters and because of violence and because of fires and because of people who have a completely separate agenda, the voices of the peaceful protesters who wanted to remember and honor George are being completely drowned out. And we're back to talking about who the real problem is. No. See, these riots, they began as the the black community in Minneapolis just crying out to be heard. We're two hours away. What do we know about that? They're crying out for justice, and we're saying, ah, I can't be that bad, don't we? I mean, we've been put out because of this pandemic, right? For too long in America, for too long in Minnesota, we've ignored voices that don't come from white people. And there are some people in law enforcement, certainly not all of them, there are some people who 
have targeted and ticketed and arrested and brutalized the people that the rest of people in law enforcement have pledged their lives to protect. Only because of the color of their skin, courts haven't been helpful. You know what? Here's what I realized. Churches like ours, we haven't been helpful. And the reason that our church hasn't been helpful is because I haven't been helpful. The terrorists that are that are storming the streets of our country, oh, goodness knows they're not helpful. Protests are not bad. Riots, they're not the same thing. When we look in the Bible, the simple fact of the matter is, and Pastor Jeff did a great devotion for us in our, our staff team meeting on Thursday. The issue of race begins in Genesis and goes all the way to the end. It's real. Racism is real, and racism is wrong. But the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of different races in the world, and that's good. God created them. So what's so clear in Scripture is that there are different races in the world, and God made every one of them with great intentionality, and every one of them is populated with people who are created in His image. Jesus died for every one of those races of people. For people of every color, and the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost so that every race, every color, every language could hear the good news of Jesus in their own language. We are the benefiters of that. But so is everybody else on earth. See, God doesn't play favorites with skin colors, and that's what people do. But as Christians, we can't do that. Pentecost is the day that we have to remember that the Holy Spirit came for all of us, all people, all races, all colors, so that we might know and that we might share the truth of Jesus' love. We should be working with and for people of other races and of other colors before it's too late. So I want to read you something that happens in Revelation. And by the time the world gets to this point, we want to be on the right side of it, folks. And that's the point of this message today. Revelation 7, 9, if you want to look it up. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The robes are white, not the color of the skin. The robes are white because it's a sign of purity, Holy Spirit, and unity. I don't know if we're living in days of great tribulation, but I know we're living in days of, that feel like they're great trials. I'm not smart enough to tell you whether this is end times being lived out in front of us. It, it sure looks like it. But what I know, things are getting more difficult rather than easier. We've got wars and rumors of wars and threats of violence. And the only way that the people of Minnesota or the people anywhere are going to survive this is together as one body, painted with all the beautiful colors our created, Creator used to shade our skin, living and working and worshiping together. You know, the Bible tells us there's something as Christians that we're supposed to be about. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. That's the ministry of reconciliation. It's what we do for each other when we've sinned against one another. But it's also what we need to do as people, as groups, as races. In the proclamation of the good news of Jesus, in, in the effort to end racism and to embrace people of every race. And here's what we're finding out on the news. Our political leaders don't have a lot that they can really be doing right now. It's people like you and I. It's people one-on-one. -on -one. The, the whole point of the series that we're looking at now about the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus came to teach us relationship. And that's where the answer is going to lie. So here's what I know today. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and God's Holy Spirit is still alive 
and at work in our world today. I know and I take great comfort in the fact that the devil always, and I put that in capital letters for you, always overplays his hand and he makes promises and he makes threats that he is powerless to keep. And there's a lot of that that's happening around us right now. I know eventually that the riots are going to end and the people that are being brought here from other states, they're going to go back home. And I know that what really is Minnesota is going to be able to settle in and we're going to clean up. And other people are going to be able to go back to their homes and their neighborhoods. What I don't know is if we as Christians, if we as white people will hear the cries of those people who we just ignore the way George was ignored. Will we hear them and say, you know what, we've ignored you for too long and we want to be united as Christians, as brothers and sisters, as the bride of Christ. We want to listen and hear and then take action, do something. I don't know what it is. But anything is better than nothing. Here's what I know. It's been an interesting challenge for us as a church just to this point today. It's been two months of trying to figure out how to continue to be the church when we can't see you. Can't say hello in person, can't hug, can't handshake, can't do worship in our, in our wonderful worship center together. It's been a challenge. And it's going to be an interesting challenge as we move forward into this uncharted territory ahead. But you know what? We're going to continue to do it as a church in love and prayer. And I realize that as a church, we've got to do that with the issue of race as well. We've got to do it with love and prayer, and then we have to do something. See, God got this all under control. And just like he's looking for us to be agents of change in this area for his gospel, we have to be that way as well for the issue of race. We're doing our, our best to navigate these waters in a way that honors God and honors people. So here's what I want to say, because I realize this has been a tough one. I understand that, and and I'm sorry about it, but I don't know that there's another way that we could have done this today. This is the kind of church you want to be a part of? Because it isn't right for everybody. I understand that. I I understand that some people don't agree with how we've handled the last two months. That's okay. You're, You're all allowed your opinion. This isn't the right place for you, and you need to go somewhere else. We love you. I hope the transition is a smooth one. But if it is, you know, if loving and honoring and serving people, no matter the color of their skin, no matter where they come from or what their language is or what they believe when you meet them, if you believe that's what we should be doing as Christians, if you're looking for a church that that believes in and teaches and wants to live the Bible, a place where you know that you can worship God, and what you're going to be encouraged to do at every turn is to love Jesus, to love people, and to teach people to love Jesus. That's not too much to ask. But it has to include all people. It has to include everybody, not just folks that look like you or I, people that we're comfortable to be around. Love Jesus. Love people. Teach people to love Jesus. If that's the kind of church you want to be a part of, then welcome back today and welcome home. Let's pray. God, these are incredibly difficult days. But we know that you are at your strongest when we are at our weakest. And quite honestly, God, I... hmm, I don't think that we can watch the news and not feel weak. We can't hear those stories and not in some way realize that we played a part. And God, for... Myself, for what our church has not done, we we can sit back and talk about all the things we have, but there's a lot that we haven't. 
for whomever else is listening and says, yeah, that's me too, God. We confess that we have not seen people through your eyes. We've seen them through ours. And while we have maybe not directly caused problems, we have not helped create solutions. God, please forgive us. Give us a new heart. Give us a heart that sees people the way you do. Give us a heart that wants to reach everyone. And we realize that it's your job to bring people to us. But God, we want to be open to welcoming and loving them when you do. God, we ask that you would heal this state, this country. God, we ask that those voices like George that just cried out to be heard are no longer ignored. We, cried that the pe- we ask that the people who are in power hear those voices and do something about it, not just give them lip service, but enact meaningful change. God, the only way to end racism is for us to appreciate and value the human life that is in every race. And right now, what we hear so much is the call that black lives matter, and it's easy for us to not understand that, but they feel like they don't. And God, that's not okay. Because everyone, everyone that you created with black skin, you created in your image. Just like every one of the rest of us. So God, thank you for having a place where people will listen to a hard message and not walk away. Thank you that we know that our hope isn't in our best efforts. Our hope is in you. And thank you, God, that we can celebrate that you sent your Holy Spirit to fill us, to encourage us, to allow us to be people of faith, and then to share that faith with anyone and everyone who will listen. God, give us the strength, the courage, and the desire to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. So we got this time ahead of us. We got no idea what life's going to bring. We got no idea what's going to happen with uh, this pandemic. We have no idea what's going to happen with, with the protests and the riots. But here's what we do know. We do know that you can bring the joy of Jesus to somebody who needs it. You can begin to enact change by smiling at someone you don't know. You could really get crazy and actually say hello. Maybe you could just go completely nuts and say hello to someone that doesn't even look like you. Be open to meeting new people and be ready to share the love of Jesus because as Christians, that's what we're called to do. That's what we're privileged to do. And that's what we have an opportunity to do because somebody at some point shared Jesus with us.